welcome to the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 87. I'm Ryan Nilsson. And I'm Mike Natal. We are your hosts, and this is part two of our Teamwork series. We just started this new series. It's kind of like the successor to our Church on Track series. And part one was released about three weeks ago. I think that that was episode 84. The Teamwork series is all about how we can get this. You ready for this? How we can forge the tools, the skills, the methods of work the healthy culture and attitude that we need to work well together in our churches. Because it's important to work well with others, especially if we are part of the body of Christ. We want to make sure that we are moving ahead accordingly so that we can further God's kingdom together. And today's topic, we are going to talk about leading a healthy And so, Ryan, before we get started, you had some scripture that you wanted to share with us as kind of like a precursor to what we're going to be talking about today. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Although I got to be thinking as you were doing your intro, Mike, I I kept thinking we needed like an an 80s uh, song about teamwork. That'd be like the background music to a video montage, like in the middle of an 80s movie where they all get together to fix the sailboat. Or oh man, I was thinking. You know what's the most epic montage? What's that? Rocky Four, as Rocky's yes. getting ready to take on Ivan Drago, right. and all I can picture is Rocky running through all that snow, dude. I think the I think yeah. the theme music is like da 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 da. I can yeah, it's something like that, dude. Oh, I'm so I'm so amped up right now. Oh, it's so good. That's perfect for what I was thinking of. Teamwork is such an important thing, and it's a concept that we see throughout scripture, just the way that God has built the church as a body of believers, the way that he has called for a plurality of leadership. There's different ways that's expressed, but just over and over again, we see that we're not meant to go it alone. And in leadership, we're really not meant to go it alone either. And yet sometimes we can have a lot of kind of solo leaders kind of going on their own. I just want to share from Romans 12 some of the verses that Paul wrote in this letter. Uh, Romans 12, 3 to 8. Actually, Mike, could you read that for us? So this is Romans 12, 3 through 8. I'm going to read it in the name of the Lord. Here we go. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's sharing, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. This ends our reading. Amen. Thanks, Mike, for for sharing that. I just I think that's such a beautiful passage to show how God has designed us to work together, to be a body of believers together, to serve Him together, 
and we see it expressed in all kinds of different ways. You know, Jesus was teaching and discipling a group of disciples, not just one. And the early leaders of the church worked as a group. They worked together as a team. The first new ministry that was created, the seven in Acts chapter six, it wasn't just one person. It was a team that was appointed. And so uh, teamwork is all over the place in scripture. And there's some concepts there that as we think about applying them to what it means to be a healthy team, I think there are also just great lessons to learn for how we live our lives in community as Christians in general as well. Ryan, we've got five tips for leading a healthy team. Let's talk about number one, having a clear purpose. By the way, when you're trying to boil down a few pointers about or leading a healthy team, there's like 80 excellent principles. So we're going to miss stuff here. But I thought these are five really important things to keep in mind so that your teams, your ministry teams and your church are healthier. It's kind of like preaching a sermon, right? Sometimes you just have to boil it down to three, even though there could be like 50. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So number one, have a clear purpose. This is so important for your team because it's going to guide how you spend your time, what you do, what you work together. And in the absence of a clear purpose, you're just going to go all different directions. It's going to breed unnecessary conflict. It's going to make decision-making more difficult. There's just all kinds of problems that can pop up when that happens. So having a clear purpose is really important. Tony Morgan is a great uh, writer, thinker on Christian leadership. And we'll put a link to his site, The Unstuck Group, in our show notes. But Tony Morgan, he summarizes it this way, that a, a team, in order to be healthy, needs to be able to carry out a great mission and share life. I thought those are really going to boil it down to two things right there. A healthy team has a great mission or a great purpose, and they share life. And he also puts it another way, focus on results and relationships. So having a purpose, it defines why you're there, and it's going to govern how you work together, how you make decisions, how you evaluate how well you're doing, and also when you're done as well. So another thing about this would be that it's important to set up expectations up front when you're starting to work with your team. And I guess throughout this, Mike, this makes me think, probably talking to somebody who's leading a team. This is definitely great for team members, but if you're in charge of a team, I want to speak specifically to that person just because you have a number of unique opportunities to make your team work well or poorly. We want you to make it work well. So here's something you can do as a team leader. You can set up expectations up front. So when you're first getting together with your group, what's the purpose of the team? What kind of authority or decision-making abilities do you have? Are there any guidelines you've been given for your team? What do you guys do as a team together? And what do you commit to doing as individuals when you're outside of meetings? So just kind of laying that out up front helps everybody understand what they're there for and what's expected of them and what they're able to do. And it's just really, I think, energizing and encouraging to lay that out. Otherwise, in the absence of that, people may be hesitant to engage, to speak their mind, to take initiative, because it's unclear how the team works together. And unfortunately, sometimes we get into this habit of not explaining what the rules are until someone breaks one of them. And then we tell them, as we're telling them they've broken this invisible rule that we made up or that is there but never got shared with them. So laying out expectations up front really helps. So there you go. Having a clear purpose is a key thing. Another great book called Teams That Thrive and the authors of that book call purpose the invisible leader. I just kind of love that image. That purpose is the invisible leader. Another thing related to that 
that Hartwig and Bird talk about in their book is they encourage leaders to rely on inspiration more than control when you're leading. So if you're a team leader, you don't want to rely on your positional authority, your authority in writing to demand things of people. You'd rather want to lead through inspiring people. And I think that's really tied to having a clear purpose. Any thoughts on that, Mike, before we move on to our next one here? I don't want to spend too much time, but transparently, this is where I'm at right now with my current congregation that I serve out Mm -hmm. in Cranston, Rhode Island. COVID had definitely put the onus of doing a lot of stuff on me and without having to worry about, you know, especially the way that Sunday mornings were going where during COVID, it was like, you know, at first the church wasn't open for outside people and then the church reopened, but we can only have a certain number of people and people were still fearful to come back and stuff. So like worship was me and my guitar and singing. Preaching was me. Leading the service was me. Doing all these things, it was me doing it, and I would just set stuff and forget it. You know, we didn't have to worry about the projector. We didn't have to worry about all this other stuff. And then we started to come back, and things started to get back into the swing of things. And I remember being like, man, why is nobody helping? Why does it seem like no one is helping? And especially with what Morgan talks about, where it's like, you know, carry out a great mission statement and share life. I had noticed it wasn't that people weren't volunteering to help. It was that I got so fixed in the rut of me just doing stuff that I was doing stuff on a weekly basis without actually setting out a yeah. plan because oh. I fell into this. Here, Here's what it is. Mike knows what he's doing. Here it is. Boop, 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 yeah. boop. And every week it just came and it was fine. But then I was like, oh, nobody's helping. And so what's really interesting is as I started to implement a lot of this stuff into our church, people started to volunteer to help because they knew what they were getting themselves into. And I loved what you said about how, you know, oftentimes we want people to help, but we don't, uh, and I'll just use this phrase, we don't set them up for success. We tell them to just do it. And then we tell them if they're doing something wrong. Well, that doesn't encourage people to want to help. Yeah. That does the opposite. That makes them say, well, like, if you're just going to tell me what I'm doing wrong, then you can just do it yourself. And so I really noticed that now where I'm like, I know where we're going. We have planning groups so that we know where we're going in all of next year. We know the sermon series that we're doing. We know people who are willing to help, people who are thinking about helping. And so everything is kind of mapped out. And I was just shocked to see, like, how many people now are starting to come on board because there is a clear purpose and mission statement and shared life focus of our church. And so one of the things that we've really started to instill in our church is kind of like this new mission statement, which is we are a community connecting people with Christ. That is our new focused mission statement of our church. So now people know we are a community that is here to connect people with Christ. And so they can say it to themselves. And then when they're going out interacting with other people, as they share the name of their church, they're like, oh, yeah, we're a community connecting people with Christ. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So I just want to kind of encourage people, like, if you're listening to number one and you're pushing back being like, yeah, well, I don't have any people who really want to do this. I want to let you know that, like, the more focused you are and the more forward looking you are, more people will want to become involved with what you're doing. Yeah. So let's move on to the next thing. So with number one, we have a have a clear purpose, which helps, like I just said, because it encourages people to get involved. They know what the trajectory is that you want to go for. So let's talk about number two, which is building the right team. Talk to me about that a little bit, Ryan. So having the right people on your team makes a difference too. Obviously, 
Although I want to talk about this for a moment because I think this highlights something that we might skip or rush through in who you are putting onto your team. Now, this might be out of your hands. You may be given leadership of an established team. You may have an involvement in selecting who's going to be on that team. When you do get to speak into who's going to be on your team, I want to encourage you to think about a couple of things first. Tony Morgan, back to this guy again, he has a couple of great points about getting a team going that I think are really, really helpful. So he has this sequence to be thinking about. When you're building a team, first you think about strategy, then you think about structure, and then you think about people. So when you're getting your team started, first think about what's the purpose of the team? What's the mission? And then what's the strategy we want to follow to carry that out? Kind of what's the big shape that our action is going to take? What's the plan we're going to get from point A to point B? So figure out your strategy, then figure out the kind of team you need. And we talked about the different kinds of teams back in episode 84. What's the structure? What kind of team? How are they going to meet? How often? And then think about people. And sometimes we do that in reverse order. Sometimes we think, oh, this person is really passionate about this. So let's get them on this team. Well, that may or may not work out. You may end up with a team that are all very excited and passionate, but they may have all the same strengths and all the same weaknesses. So another important thing about building the right team is making sure that people's gifts and weaknesses complement one another so that you don't have a team of eight clones of yourself, but there are people that have different skills so that there's somebody with relational skills. There's somebody with administrative or organizational skills. There's somebody who notices detail and there, there's somebody who thinks big picture. There's somebody who, who can reflect and really analyze. There are people that can take action quickly. So getting a, a mix of personalities and a mix of gifts is really, really important. And if you don't think through these things first, you may wind up with a whole team of people that have kind of redundant abilities and, and gifts and with a huge gap in terms of the abilities you're still looking for or still needing on your team. So those are a couple things about building the right team. And I also think it's important to delegate leadership and decision-making authority to different people in your team as much as possible to give them increasing levels of leadership authority. We'll, We'll get into that in future episodes about teamwork, but every time you pull a team together as a leader, you have an opportunity to help the people on that team grow in their leadership skills. So if there are things that you can do or you might normally think to do as a leader, think about opportunities to set other people up to have some really exciting new leadership experiences. So some some of the best leadership mentors I've had in my life, they allowed me to try out new types of ministry. And those experiences were just so valuable and so important. All right. Those are a couple of things about building the right team. Making sure that you have the right people on your team is really important. You don't want to have a team that's too big. I've heard there's this magic number of seven. I forget where I came across this, but when you have more than seven people on a team, you start reducing effectiveness. It just becomes too many people to manage as a team. It takes longer to make decisions and things like that. So something up to seven, that's kind of an ideal number. Also, if you have a team bigger than that, it's going to be hard for you to care for and, and serve and lead that team, lead that group of people. That's a great reminder too. Also, seven 
is the biblical number for perfection too. So maybe there's a reason why the number is seven more than just <laughs> that's what it is, is yeah. because maybe as you get larger than seven, things get a little bit more strained and difficult as opposed to being able to actually accomplish what is going on. Yeah. And so definitely, thanks for kind of pointing out those pitfalls. I always kind of encourage people to remember, even when things get difficult, like sometimes on boards, you can maybe butt heads with people too. Because they have a different way of thinking through a process or moving through a certain situation. And one of the best ways that I've found to be able to resolve conflicts in terms of like the differences in the way that people do stuff is reminding people that we are the body of Christ, not the appendage of Christ, right? We're not just like his arm, we're the whole body. And so imagine like if you had four arms or four legs instead of two legs and two arms. Each one of us are built slightly different and utilizing those, sometimes it's good to have people who are different in their viewpoints. While agreeing theologically, it's still important to remember that we might have a different approach to different situations. And so reminding ourselves that we're the body of Christ is really important when it comes to certain aspects of that. So we talked about building the right team. Now let's move on to number three, which is care about your team members. That's probably an important one. Brian, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that one? So this is an important one. Remember we talked about that quote about having a great mission and sharing life. You want to have a balance of results and relationships. So if you want to have an effective team, it's important that you're doing some things to care about them and to have some relationship with them. They don't have to be your best friends. In fact, that might not be healthy, but it's important that you know about each other, that you care about each other, and you as the leader set the example for that. So first of all, pray for them. If you're working with a team, keep their names on a list of paper in your Bible. And when you're spending time in prayer, pray for them. And then every now and then when you're talking with those people, there may be a moment where the Holy Spirit just really is prompting you to just tell them, hey, I just want you to know that I I pray for you on a regular basis. I just appreciate having you on this team. Like that can mean so much to people. I know some of the most special moments are when I'm with somebody and we're saying our goodbyes or whatever, and they say something along the lines of, we pray for you regularly. We pray for you every day or we pray for you every week. Few things bowl me over like that. So pray for people. Another thing Just have a relationship with your team members. So that may mean planning, especially if you've got a long-term kind of standing team that you're a part of, having some time to have fun together. Maybe it's going out for a meal or you have everybody over to your house for, you know, a game night or something like that. But just look for ways to, to just have fun and hang out with each other. Another thing that you can do is to make it safe for team members to share with you and with each other. So things that need to be safe to say, like if something major is happening in someone's life, you you want them to feel safe to say, hey, I just want you to know this is going on in my family life and just, you know, please pray for me. You don't want people to be acting like, oh man, I can't share anything personal or it's going to come back to haunt me or something like that. You want to be able to have a team environment where people are comfortable sharing those kinds of things. You want it to be safe. So by the way, how do you do that? As a leader, you're going to set example, and there may be things that you share about your life that you ask people to be praying for. You got to use judgment about what those things are. But again, you can model an openness. The way you behave and act sets the tone for how everyone else is going to act. Another thing that's important is in terms of making it safe for team members to share, 
you want to make sure that your team members feel safe sharing when something isn't going well for the team or something that a team member is working on. And sometimes as leaders, we can be allergic to bad news and we have this bad reaction. And what that tells people, if you get really sour or a a dark cloud comes over you when you hear bad news, you're going to tell your team members, it's not okay to share bad news. It's not okay to share problems. They're not going to tell you those things. Or if they do, they're not going to take responsibility. They're going to blame someone else. They're going to try to do things to protect themselves. And, And that's really, really not good for a team. You need to make sure that it's safe that if you're not doing something you need to be as a leader, that it's okay to share that. And so that might be just saying up front, hey, this is new to me. I need you to tell me if I'm missing something here. If there's something I could do that I'm not, I'd really appreciate it if you'd you know, give me the feedback to let me know how I can be a better team leader. So just starting with some humility, keeping that Romans passage in mind that we ought not to think too highly of ourselves. Don't try to act or, or be perfect. Say thank you to your team members periodically. And when you do, be specific about what you're grateful for. Not just, hey, yeah, it's great. You're sort of great. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you so much for when you said this or when you did that. Man, that was just so terrific. Be specific so they know that you mean it and you're not just saying it because it's something you ought to say. And then the last thing I want to say on this point about caring about your team members, this idea of a, a team being a certain size, part of that is that you want to make sure that you're able to care for and support the people in your team. You don't want to have too many people on your team because you want to care about them. You want to be looking out for them. You want to serve them well. That's why it's not a good idea for any one person to have too many direct reports or too many employees or key volunteers that report back to them. So this is kind of outside of a team setting. If like if you're a pastor or you're on a member of a staff, if you have too many staff members that report directly to you, it's going to be really hard for you to lead them all well, to care for them, to spend the right amount of time with them, to help them be successful. It's not going to be manageable. And so in terms of staffing structure and staffing relationships, if you see more than, I think even seven in terms of staffing, seven direct reports is a lot. If you start seeing those numbers higher than that, then that might be time to kind of re-examine, wow, is this you know, workable or not? Now, it may be that you have to have a staff person or a volunteer overseeing a higher number than that, but maybe they're less active ministries or they're team leaders that need less interaction with you. you know, there's always exceptions to that. But I think an important thing about those manageable numbers is so that you're able to care for the people that you're leading. Yeah, I think this is one of those sections in this series that people are going to want to earmark and thumbnail and come back to over and over and over again. Like number three hits the nail on the head in so many aspects of not only ministry, but like in relationships. So like not even looking at it from a group setting or a team setting, but just from a relationship setting. I mean, if you're doing one of the notes that I put, but you really hit on this was if you're a pastor or an elder or an individual who's leading a group and all you do is get together to talk about what that group is going to do, business, 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 that's going to get old and stagnant. I won't even say quickly. But I'll say it will get old and stagnant eventually, and it's just so refreshing to do stuff together other than talk about business, like to just do stuff. And that transcends 
more than just team building that transcends relationships yeah, absolutely. as well. Yeah. Yep. And let's go to number four, which is lead by example. And you kind of hit on this in number yeah, three, yeah. a little bit. I'm excited for you to kind of elaborate on this one a little bit more. Yeah. Number three definitely just leads right into number four, leading by example as the leader of a team. This really can apply to a team member too, but if you're the leader of a team, the behavior you model is what people are going to emulate. You're setting the tone for how it's okay to act. So if you never apologize, then it's okay to never apologize. If you never accept responsibility, then it's okay to abdicate responsibility when something doesn't go well. If you're not willing to listen and admit you're wrong or change your mind about something, that you're going to model those behaviors for the rest of the team as well. So how you lead makes a big difference in the health of your team. So here are some things that you can do. Uh, like Keep in mind that your character is important as you lead. Like you want to be honest as you lead. You want to lead with integrity. And so that, you know, basically what that means is that you want to match your walk with your talk, that you want to make sure that, that what you talk about matches how you live or how you lead and, and how you act and what you say matches with what you do when no one's looking so that those things are lined up because your team members will notice that. If you say something's important, but you don't live with that as a value at all, that's going to become obvious in ways you don't even know and may never even realize, but your team members are watching and, and they'll see that. That sounds pretty law-oriented and heavy. I really think there's some gospel freedom in this too, in that if you have done something wrong, you admitting a mistake and asking for forgiveness as a leader, that can be freeing for your entire team. That makes it okay for everyone to admit a mistake and to ask for forgiveness. You know, when you can't do that, it places that same law on you and on everybody on your team. Another thing that's important for leading by example is competence, that you know what you're doing, that you are willing to admit when you don't know what you're doing, and that you're willing to learn and grow. So like, you want to make sure that if you're a leader, that you're ready to lead and that you, you know what you're doing. Your team's going to look to you for confidence. But when you don't know what you're doing, you should look to say that in some way. That doesn't you know totally erode their confidence in you, but that makes it clear like this is something new for you. So to say, hey, this is my first time leading this kind of a team. I'm going to do my best to lead this, but I want you to know too, like I'm open to your ideas and input at any point, including how I'm doing as your leader. So don't hesitate to let me know if you see an opportunity for me to learn and grow and do better. The worst thing you could do is pretend you know what you're doing and never admit you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Someone's going to find that out. It's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> All right, a couple more things about this. So work alongside your team. If you're asking them to do certain types of work, you want to look for opportunities to do that with them as well. So don't ask them to do something you're not willing to do yourself. So it's either things you've done in the past and you know how to do them, or it's something you're going to do with them that you're going to engage in at the same time, kind of alongside them, right? So if you're a part of a team that's planning a work day at the church, right? You're on the trustee board and you're planning a work day. You're going to be at the work day. And you're not just going to be inside with a clipboard checking off the list, but you're going to have your sleeves rolled up and you're going to be raking the dead leaves out of the grass or whatever the projects are on your workday. That's really important that you show your willingness to serve alongside your team. The last thing along these lines of leading by example, you want to kind of hold in balance a couple of tensions. You don't want to think of yourself too highly. 
And also, at the same time, don't forget that you do need to guide and inspire and build confidence. So your team is looking to you for those things. And yet, it's not an opportunity to become a narcissist. But God is calling you to lead in a certain role. And there are things that you will need to do that do require confidence. I love the idea of work alongside your team. Because that's where a lot of ministry can happen. Yeah. Working alongside people is a tremendous opportunity to get to know people better. If we're the person who's standing on the sideline with a clipboard being like, okay, do this, do this, do this. Okay, this is done. All right, let me check this. As opposed to being the person who's working alongside that individual and getting to know them while they're doing it. Like that's the aspect of ministry. And maybe I'm just alone on this, but that's the type of ministry that I love. The stuff where you get to work alongside someone as opposed to just dictating what you want done or even trying to encourage someone else to take leadership as well, you know, it's important to instill in them that you are empowering them to do this. They have your encouragement and they have your support as they're trying to do this. And so I love the idea of doing it alongside them, not just dictating out what needs to be done and expecting them to carry it out on their own. Because a lot of times, and I think we talked about this in our previous episode, I know sometimes people get paralyzed in fear of them disappointing you. And like you being the pastor or you being the person who's the head of that committee or you being the person who is the leader of that committee. And they get so paralyzed about not wanting to fail that they don't do. Because they're like, well, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to do something that's contrary to what I'm expecting out of you. And that's where like clear and concise explanation. But even more than that, if you're working alongside them, you're guaranteeing them that you are going to be with them while they're doing it. So if something isn't going the way that you were expecting it to, you can speak into that in the moment as opposed to them being like, well, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Okay, I'm just going to do this. And then they have to report back to you. And there's like a level of anxiety in them as they're getting ready to report it back to you. Yeah. I think that that saves from a lot of headaches, not just from the person who's helping standpoint, but also from leadership too. You know, you're able to troubleshoot that situation almost immediately as opposed to waiting for it to fall and then trying to figure things out. Yeah. Which is great. You know, thinking about this leading by example, there's almost no end to the comments we could make about this. One more that I think of is if you make excuses, your team members will make excuses. And again, kind of speaks into like avoiding risk. You need your team to take risks. A key part of leadership is trying new things and venturing into the unknown and pioneering and how you lead can affect how much your team knows it's safe to take on those risky projects and to potentially fail. And, yeah. And it's okay to fail. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just to circle back to that thing about excuses, like it's important to own when something is not working. And yes, you can definitely explain why you think things may not have panned out the way you expected. That's an important responsible to do, but be careful not to set up your narrative or your explanation of like in such a way that says, This didn't work out, and this is why it's not my fault. You don't want to do that. You need to own when something doesn't work out for the sake of your team, for the sake of your church and your ministry. You can explain why you think it may not have worked out, but just be careful if you put the responsibility on someone else. It's just going to affect your team and your your ministry, your church in general. 
Now we transition into our last section, which is number five, which is have a clear way to make decisions together. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us, Ryan? Actually, I'm only going to talk about this a little bit because this is actually also doubling as a commercial for our next Teamwork Series episode. So Teamwork Series episode number three, which is going to be episode 90 in the podcast, is going to talk about making decisions together as a team. But we got to talk about it here because it's so important. You want to make sure that you're involving your whole team in decision making. And you said something earlier in our recording today, Mike, that really stood out to me. I think you were talking about how you often are doing things on your own or sometimes sometimes you're doing things on your own. A lot of us are really gifted at making decisions as, as individuals. That could be true for you. It could be true for people on your team. And we may not be used to making decisions as a team. And so we might inadvertently, as a team leader, we might make decisions that really the whole team could participate in. So it's important that we are clear about how we make decisions together. And whenever possible, involve your team in making decisions. Now, there are times when a leader as an individual just has to make decisions on their own. And sometimes that's when there's crisis, something needs to happen very rapidly. And if you're in a team environment and you're the leader and you don't have time to engage the team in the decision-making, that's okay. You just need to explain that you were in a situation where you had to make a rapid decision about something. Also, you can make decisions on your own about little mundane things, but the major decision-making work of your team, you want to engage them and have them collaborate with you. So go through a decision-making process that doesn't unduly favor several different types of people here. Oftentimes when, when you're engaging a team in making decisions, that process, if you don't design it correctly, you don't lead it correctly, it's going to favor three different types of people. And chances are that's not everyone on your team. So the first, people who are outspoken, who are kind of quick to think, and quick to say things. It's like, I'm the kind of person where sometimes I can think quickly in a meeting, but most often I need to think about that meeting for a little bit after it's over before I have my best ideas or thoughts. So you may have people on your team that have an idea, but they just haven't been given the window of time to think about it. So if you're making decisions very quickly, the outspoken, those who are quick to speak, they're given more opportunity to weigh in on the decision than other people. Another group of people that you don't want to give too much influence to are those who are dominant, those who will tend to just kind of steer things the way they'd like to go. And again, not out of any ill intentions, but people who are used to leading and making decisions on their own, they may just say, hey, well, how about we do this? I think we should do this. And just say it with great confidence that could, in a way that could discourage other people from speaking up. So I realize I grouped some of those in together. The outspoken, those who might have more dominant or confident demeanor, and those who are quick to speak. If your decision-making process only allows for those kinds of people to participate, you're missing out on most of your team members' abilities to contribute to a decision. So that's why you want to slow down your decision-making process and look for ways to involve other people in your group, the ones who are more thoughtful, who would like some time to think about the decision they're going to make, those who are more deferential, who may have the best idea, but they don't want to hurt someone's feelings by announcing a contrary idea. So in your meetings, when you're making decisions, you want to do things so that all the options get laid out in front of you 
if nobody is speaking up, you might say, hey, so-and-so, what do you think we should do? If there's only one idea coming out, you may want to say something like, hey, if somebody was going to suggest a different idea for solving this, what would that be? You know, you might say, it seems like we're all in agreement here, but it might be good to to try to think of what a, a second option would be. So that, you know, putting pressure on people to speak a contrary opinion, you've given permission that we need to come up with a different idea to keep proceeding forward. So some things like that can be really helpful. We'll get into those in the next episode in more detail uh, about some specific ways that you can do that. The last thing I want to mention here is that as you're making a decision, sometimes it's around goals. And if you're setting a goal, making a goal type of decision, there's this great acronym I think it was developed by a guy named Michael Hyatt called the SMARTER goal. You've probably heard of SMART goals, but there's one called SMARTER goals. So you want your goals to be specific, measurable, actionable, risky, time-bound, exciting, and relevant. So those are some key characteristics. If you're making a decision that has a goal in it, you want the goal, the decision to be clear. You want it to say something very specific. It needs to be measurable so that you can say at the end whether or not you reached your goal or not. It needs to be actionable. That means to call somebody to do something, and what that is is clear. It needs to be risky, something new, something that's kind of bold and stepping beyond what you've done in the past. It needs to be time-bound. It needs to have a deadline. It needs to have some milestones built into it. It needs to be exciting. You want to engage people. You want them to participate, and it needs to be exciting for that, and it needs to be relevant. It needs to be something that matters to the people you're ministering to. I love it. And this is kind of where we end, but maybe we shouldn't have an outro. Maybe it should just be to be continued. So you said episode 90 is going to specify number five here. Let's just run through really quick for our outro. I just want to read through these talking points one more time that we did for leading a healthy team. So the first one for leading a healthy team is have a clear purpose. Number two, build the right team. Number three, care about your team members. Number four, lead by example. And number five, have a clear way to make decisions together. So Ryan, thank you once again for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to our show. Don't forget to subscribe so that you're aware of the next time that one of our podcast episode drops. And we would love if you share this podcast with a friend or a colleague, because I know I'll be starring this episode to listen to a few times and to share it with quite a few people. So thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.